Hello and welcome to That Slayer Show. My name is Katie Schroeder and co-hosting this podcast with me is my amazing friend, Madeline Kane. I'm Madeline. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. So I'm going to give you a little background about why we're starting this podcast and why now. I'm going to get kind of serious for a second and then we'll lighten back up. I first watched Buffy about three years ago. I was in the middle of a really hard time in my life. I was sick with an autoimmune disease called myalgic encephalomyelitis. And as a result of that, I was in my bed a lot, pretty much all day, every day. And Buffy became a way for me to escape and find delight in the day-to-day. It's made me think about what a lot of us are going through right now when we're dealing with our own invisible demons. Maybe those demons take the form of loneliness, no alone time at all. Maybe it's a festering frustration with the current political system. Whatever demons they may be, I think Buffy can help us process them. Buffy, like us, is dealing with her own figurative demons. For example, she is starting out season one in a new school. She's figuring out how to make friends, what it means to date. On top of all that, she's navigating this new identity that has thrust her into this role of social outcast. Basically, she's having to deal with a lot of things that are very relatable to a lot of us, while at the same time actually getting to fight literal demons. And she can't punch her figurative demons in the face, but she can punch her literal demons in the face. And for that reason, I think the show is so satisfying to watch and very relevant right now when so many of us just want to be able to punch our demons in the face. So, Keita, what's your experience with Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Well, Madeline, you were my first exposure to Buffy. Aside from a couple mentions of her when I was little, I hadn't watched any episodes until you convinced me to watch one with you. And it turns out I also loved Buffy. So here we are, several months later. Okay, so what's going to be the structure of this podcast? We're going to start every episode with a one-minute recap where we sort of bounce back and forth sentence by sentence, trying to recap the whole episode in one minute. We're going to follow the recap with a discussion of the theme that we use to watch each episode. After that, we will take time to talk about things that we particularly liked or maybe disliked about the episode. And we're going to wrap everything up with a saucy game of Mary Fuck Kill. Madeline, do you want to start us off in our one minute recap? Waikita, I would love to. All right. Three, two, one. Go. We open up to the first show with these this young couple who's in Sunnydale High School, and it turns out the young woman is actually a vampire, and we see her bite this young boy's neck. And then it cuts to Buffy, who's having a really bad dream, and she wakes up, and her mom takes her to her first day of school. First day at Sunnydale High School, she meets Willow, and Willow is really nice but nerdy, and also Xander is there too. Yes, and first she's friends with Cordelia, who actually turns out to be super mean, but she's popular. Right, and then there's a dead guy in a locker. And she um, meets the librarian, who's her watcher. Right, and, G- and Xander overhears a conversation with Giles, the librarian, who's also her watcher, and, fi- and Xander finds out that Buffy's the Slayer. And um, then they go to the bronze. Uh, she goes to hang out with Willow, and it turns out that Giles is there. And she's like, what are you doing here? Yeah, and then um, Willow goes with uh, with this guy trying to get ice cream, but then he takes her to a cemetery. And uh, Buffy has to go find them because it turns out that he's a vampire, and so she runs to the mausoleum. Right, and in the mausoleum, there's this epic battle between her and this guy named Luke, maybe, and then also um, Buffy. We end with Buffy's uh, cliffhanger. <laughs> Kata, what was the just super juicy part that we missed? 
Was it possibly the master coming out of no, his grave completely uh, dry, even though he rose from a pool of blood? We did miss that. But I'm thinking, okay, I'll give you a hint. Black Velvet. I think we might have missed the introduction of a hot stranger. Hot stranger? I wonder what his name is. wonder if he's a friend or whose friend he is. So what we're referring to is this hot guy who was following Buffy, whose ass she literally kicked. But we don't know much about him yet. He gave her this silver cross. We all only know that he is super sexy, but... Kind of in an annoying way, in the words of Buffy, I believe. Yeah. I think with the mention of the master, who is a super old vampire, who I guess is like the king of all vampires, don't really get his relationship there. Uh, and like, but why is he so much uglier than all the other vampires? I think he might be really old. I know, and it just begs the question, like, do all vampires eventually become that wrinkly? good question and like he can't he doesn't become human looking and then gets to be extra wrinkly he's just like constantly looking like a ball sack i stand by that simile <laughs> it was a simile it was a simile nice. <laughs> he's he came out of a pool of blood completely dry as we said and the harvest is coming and we think that means a lot of humans will die but we don't have any more info yet not a lot of info, but we do know Giles is worried about it. He's very concerned, and Buffy is a lot less concerned. So, Keita, this episode of the podcast, we're going to focus on the theme of identity. Can you tell us where you saw identity in this episode? The first time I saw identity was when Buffy was talking with Giles, and they were discussing her role or her identity as the Slayer. And what was really clear was that she didn't really want to be the Slayer. Did you have any first impressions? One of the most surprising things that I noticed about Identity was how often she's having to navigate both of her identities, one as a sophomore in high school and two as the Slayer, converging. Can you say a little bit more about that? Where do you see those two things converging? So first we see it converging in the interaction with Giles. When she's she's at school, she's just trying to get her library books. And Giles comes in hot with this vampire textbook and is like, oh, I know what you're looking for. She's like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. And she's clearly trying to, to shirk her identity as a slayer. Um, but then we also see it again in a slightly different flavor a little bit later on when Jesse, this kid who's dead, falls out of a locker. And ooh, ooh. fact check: Jesse is still alive. Oh he falls out of the shoot! Locker, yeah, guy. they look so similar. They're just tall white guys, right? Okay, so this kid comes, this young man boy, falls out of a locker and is dead. And Buffy, when she finds out that this kid is dead takes it upon herself to figure out how he died and is assuming the role of the slayer by looking for bite marks by seeing if he lost any blood and in that way even though she's on school property and she should just be like normal high schooler she's having to transition really fluidly between the role as a young high school person and also as the slayer and then again we see it later on at the bronze when she's like just trying to have a good time but then giles is like wait i'm here also trying to force you to be the slayer and i wonder 
if this convergence of both her identities shows that as the slayer she's always going to have to do both of these and oftentimes they're going to be at the same time so maybe even though it would be really convenient for her to be able to be just the slayer or just a student it seems like these are things that she's always going to have to juggle at the same time right and i think what was really cool about this episode is that we got to see that you can juggle both of those things at the same time and she does do it and I'm wondering, do you see any way that we can connect this maybe uh, on a more macro scale to what's going on right now in terms of our identities in the world? Would you no possibly <laughs> be referring to the global pandemic? <laughs> Keita, I am referring to the global pandemic. <laughs> All right. Let me see what I can do for you. Madeline, I think a parallel between Buffy's situation and our current situation is that it seems like she was allowed to just be sort of a normal high school student for most of her life. And then it seems like maybe at some point something shifted to where she sort of became the slayer or was told about it. I think there's definitely some similarities between that and our current situation where we were really sort of just living life for the most part until... You know, recently in the last couple months when this pandemic was really spreading throughout the globe and we weren't going to work in person and some of us weren't going to work anymore at all. And I think there we all saw a lot of shift in identity that we have to sometimes deal with simultaneously like Buffy, like be at home all the time and go to school and be at home all the time and go to work and maybe deal with all the things that you have at home and do all of these things. And I think in a similar way, a lot of us are a little overwhelmed sometimes and want to just choose one. Yes. Like Buffy, we just want to we just want to be normal people. But external circumstances have forced this identity shift. In Buffy's case, she's the slayer. And in our case, there's a global pandemic. But in both cases, we aren't choosing to shift our identity. It's being forced upon us this identity shift which makes it a little rockier madeline was there anything else you wanted to discuss on this theme of identity that struck your eye <laughs> that caught your eye <laughs> sorry <laughs> let me let me take it off <laughs> your eye madeline you now have one eye what what took out your other one so i was particularly noticing willow in this episode a lot of characters we meet are cast into their stereotypical roles cordelia is the popular girl and xander is the nerdy guy well he's actually i mean he's not like particularly good in school but he's not he's definitely not cool and kind of dopey dopey perfect description um xander is the dopey guy and he's friends with willow who's the nerdy girl and what i noticed a lot this episode was how comfortable Willow was in her role as this nerdy girl. There's this scene in the bronze when Buffy and Willow are talking and Buffy spots Giles and is tells Willow, okay, I'll be right back. I'm going to go talk to this guy. And Willow's like, oh, you don't have to come back. And Buffy's like, no, I'm going to come back. And I just thought that was so funny because Willow acknowledges that Buffy is this hot new girl and is higher on this social hierarchy that high school has generated and she is totally accepting of it as lower on the social hierarchy and she really just leans into it and I think that there is some power in that in it in just embracing your role and embracing your identity 
Right. And we can never really know how Willow maybe feels when Cordelia is being mean to her or when she's sort of feeling shunned by other people. But what I sort of have an inkling of is that Willow is so comfortable in herself. She's so comfortable in the clothes that she wears, even if people make fun of them. She's so comfortable in what she's good at, which is she's super duper smart. And I think maybe her comfort in and confidence in what she knows about herself outweighs the desire that a lot of us have for social acceptance that maybe makes us act in a way that isn't true to ourselves. Madeline, are we ready to move into a second segment of our podcast where we talk about our dislikes from the episode? Yes, great. Yeah, yeah, Keita, what did what did you not like about this episode? The fictional location of the story is in Southern California, which we know has a lot of people of color and a lot of diversity in the population. And yeah, Buffy's high school is almost entirely white, and so are all of the named characters. Yeah, I think I think what's so devastating about that is how purposeful it feels. You know, it's not like this takes place in some podunk town in the midwest where it's like largely white people i mean southern california i mean and historically has just been a really diverse place and so the choice to make everyone in buffy's high school pretty much white just feels so purposeful and intentional which is sad on that note kita what do you think it means when when groups of people don't see representations of themselves in media I don't know. I think it seems like the producers who are creating this could not imagine a show that had characters that weren't white or they weren't interested in it or they didn't think it would be as successful or they don't see value in actors and voices that aren't white. So, Keita, what do you think the consequences of a whitewashed cast are? I think what I notice its effects on me are is just an acceptance of whiteness as the norm in a way that it's not and whiteness shouldn't be. Yeah, whiteness as the norm is what it is perpetuating and establishing. Absolutely. Were there any other things that you noticed, Madeline, that you didn't really enjoy? Yes, actually, I'm so glad you asked. I also didn't like how close Giles was getting to Buffy at the bronze. That also made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, so so Giles is Buffy's superior, right? And that's why it makes us so uncomfortable because there's this established dynamic. He is superior in the administrative sense. In the administrative sense, also in the age sense. He's a lot older than Buffy. And he's also her watcher, meaning like he his position is to guide her in her journey as the Slayer. So in basically like all sectors, he's sort of superior to her, except in a really in a really key way, which is that Buffy normally the man is physically stronger but in this scenario Buffy's actually physically stronger so I wonder how that sort of plays into the power dynamic and if maybe Giles is like oh I don't have to be worried about space I I wonder if he's justifying it to himself as like oh I don't have to give Buffy personal space because she's the slayer and she could kick my butt if she wanted to I'd love to give him credit for that but I think in reality his lack of awareness of her personal space is probably just that she does have the physical strength that maybe saves her from being in a position of physical weak not weakness that saves her from having the underhand 
in terms of physical strength, but I don't think that that should allow Giles to encroach on her space. Totally agree. Because what we also know about abusive scenarios is it's so emotional too. It's not always a physical thing. And so even if even if Buffy could physically kick Giles's butt, there's still the emotional component that Giles could be theoretically exploiting. What about you? Any other any other bits? Other than that, it was a perfect episode. Nothing else wrong at all. <laughs> I was a little bothered by Jesse being on the prowl. I'm not a big fan of comparisons of men to predators and women to prey. And I just think in the 90s, we're not super surprised, but we'd like to, you know, hold men in the present day a little more accountable and say, no, you're not predators. And we as women aren't your prey. Yeah. PSA, everyone. Women are not prey. Fish are not food fish are not food (laughs) i just repeated your joke but a little bit louder (laughs) kita what about this episode where you like ugh, love i loved how witty cordelia is you know we get introduced to her and she's painted with this broad brush of being like the rich popular girl but cordelia is just super witty she's great at delivering these verbal blows she walks up to Buffy when Buffy is sitting with Xander and Willow and she brings them the news of the dead boy in the locker with I just want to interrupt your downward mobility to tell you that there is a dead boy in a locker oh my god so good so good Yes, and another Cordelia shining spot was when Buffy is in the bronze looking for Willow, and she basically tries to choke Cordelia by accident, thinking it was a vampire, and Cordelia goes, what was your, no, she goes, what is your childhood trauma? And I freaking, I love that, because she's acknowledging that when people are messed up, it is often from childhood issues, but she's still wielding that knowledge for like, a just like concise blow. Yeah, and I think her witty comments really belie the facade of vacuousness that she almost puts on. She talks a lot about clothes and last season's clothes and what she's going to wear. Sometimes it feels like she's almost trying to appear more dumbed down, but she's clearly very smart. And I think her language really shows us that. Right. In contrast to Buffy's struggle to navigate both of her identities, Cordelia is really owning being both superficial and really smart. Was there anything you really liked, Madeline? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, In addition to the epic Cordelia moments, I also really liked how in the bronze, well, okay, so after the bronze, when Buffy eventually runs into Xander and she's like, Xander, have you seen Willow? And Xander's like, oh, no, I haven't seen her. Buffy's like oh well she left with this guy and Xander's like Willow scoring at the bronze nice (laughs) and I really liked that because I mean we know as the audience that Willow was intending to get or maybe we don't know this yet but we end up finding out that Willow thought they were going to get ice cream we know that they're not going to fuck but I liked I just liked to pretend in that moment that Xander was just like really happy for Willow for like getting it in with this random dude at the bronze. And I I think I really liked it because there are a lot of moments that we'll see in this season, but also coming seasons where Xander is prone to slut shaming. 
And so I really loved that he didn't choose to go that route in his reaction to finding out that Willow left with the guy and instead is just happy for his friend. Is it that time? <laughs> the time for Mary Fuck Kill? Now, it's important to note that Mary Fuck Kill will be based only on the actions of the characters in that particular episode. So when Buffy is one of my options for episode five, I won't be thinking about how great she was in episode two. Madeline, I think it's an important time to just tell the audience about a little caveat that we made in the game to make it a little smoother and to sort of close in the options that we have. Right. KJ, I think what you're referring to is the caveat where if you marry the person, you can only have vanilla sex with them. You can't just justify your choice of the person you're marrying by saying, oh, well, I get to have sex with them every day. No, it has to be vanilla sex. And I just think that's important to keep in mind. Very important. Do you have three characters prepared? Yes. Okay, Keita. Here are my characters for you to choose from. Giles. (laughs) Giles and Cordelia and... Willow. Oh, crap. This is crazy. I can't believe I said, oh, crap. I hate that word. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you actually gave me a bit of a tough choice. I know. So we have Giles, who in this episode really, you know, shows up as bookish. He's kind of an older guy. Stuffy. Stuffy, but, you know, an older guy. Oh, yeah. Silver Fox. (laughs) And, you know, we have Cordelia as... Very pretty, quite smart, and so witty. And we have Willow, who is also really smart, really sweet, and just probably would be a really loyal friend. I think I'm going to fuck Cordelia. Ugh, yes. I am going to marry Willow. Mm, Beautiful, yeah. Thank you, yeah. I think it's going to be a good relationship. I really think she has a lot to give. And I have a lot to give her. Yeah. Just like mutual giving. Exactly. And we're just going to kill Giles. Yeah. That's appropriate. Yeah. So, Madeline, the three characters that I have for you mm-hmm, mm-hmm, hit me. are the master. <laughs> Luke. Oh, oh, my gosh. Keita. Yeah. Are you ready for the last one? Wow. You're not. And the last one is Jesse. Kate, you're doing me so dirty right now. Okay, so the master, I have to, I mean, the master has to go. I mean, I don't want to look at his face. Also, his voice is annoying to me. He's can, He can go. And then, and then we have Jesse and Luke. Okay, the question is, what does Luke look like without his vampire face? And is he a hottie? Big... Big questions, because we only see Luke with the vampire face, but I kind of have this sneaking suspicion he might be kind of good looking. I do, too. I think he might be, too. Uh, but I think I think because we only see him with the vampire face, it's only fair that I have to assume that whatever activity I partake in with him would be him in this vampire face. Ooh. Okay, I'm going to... Kind of surprising here, but I'm actually going to fuck Jesse and then marry Luke. Mostly because I think Luke might have some, because he's old, like, I think he might just be a little more interesting as a life partner. Sure. You know, obviously, we would have some hiccups. 
you know, the blood sucking thing. We'd have to like work around that. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, the truth is, I don't want to have to spend a lot of time with Jesse. You know, his whole on the prowl comment is really off putting. Sure. I mean, on the other hand, we have Luke who is literally on the prowl. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to our first ever episode of That Slayer Show. Please leave us a review or follow us on Instagram at That Slayer Show or do both of those things because that would be really awesome. We also want to give a special shout out to Holly Colvin who made our awesome cover art. And this podcast was inspired by Harry Potter and the Sacred Text where Vanessa Zoltan and Casper Turkile explore Harry Potter through different themes. Thank you, and see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> beer. Beer. <laughs> this isn't Buffy and beer, but we are drinking beer. There is a podcast called Beers with Buffy, but this is not it. <laughs> <laughs> not being the outro. Sure. <laughs>